this is Shark Pants Free Radio. Gamers, get your ears on because we're blowing the speakers out. Grimdark Live. Weekly webcast for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. Don't miss our live show on Thursdays, but for now, you've got us on sloppy seconds with our podcast with the Grimdark Gang. It's time once again for Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Live, your webcast for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, my co-host, Steve. What do you hear? What do you say, bud? Well, let's see if people can hear me first. Uh, we can hear you loud and clear now, man. Second time's a charm. Folks, thanks for uh, hanging in there. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty, and we got all that worked out. Good So Lord. we're back, man. We are back. Grimdark Live is back. Good stuff. Yeah, it is what it is. We tried. So here's the thing. You guys are going to get uh, a, a second helping of uh, of the show here a little bit. So that, that's kind of cool. You can't threaten our fans like that. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. So but we, you know, just to kind of rehash in case some of the uh, the folks that are joining us that missed the first uh, fumbling around, we got the we got the rumor engine. We got the community painting competition winner from uh, May of 2020. I'm going to be talking a little bit about Age of Sigmar team games and finding the balance in those things. And Steve. What about you, my man? What 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 topic do you have? Well, we are going to be talking about clubs, gaming etiquette. We're going to be talking about how we um, how we run our games. Um, so it should be a pretty interesting topic. Uh, we're going to talk about how clubs basically keep their clubs together by maintaining etiquette. That's it, man. That's it. And that, that's important. You know, I think uh, I think a lot of clubs take that for granted. And I think that's where you get a lot of the in-house squabbling and, and clubs kind of break up a little bit. But I think that's going to be a, a, a pretty darn good, uh, good topic, honestly. Um, yeah. So here we go, man. Take two. So, and as always, we got the question of the day and the closing thoughts towards the end of the show. Hey, you Grimdark goons. Thank you all so much for listening to our Grimdark Live podcast. If you're new to the Grimdark Live experience or new to our podcast and like what you hear, please follow this podcast and pass us along to your friends. Let us know what you think about Grimdark Live in the show's comment sections, and let us know just how we're doing. Also, don't forget to catch us live on Thursdays. And if that isn't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. That's grimdarklive.com. Anyway, thanks for listening, following, and just being awesome. We better uh, we better get rolling here, man. Since we let all these good people down, we got to try to we got to make up for a lot of ground here, my man. We got to get this well, stuff right. That's our life story. Let's keep going. You are not kidding. But uh, here it is, man. We got the news, and we are gonna we're gonna bust right into the news. And we've got um, we're gonna start over with this one, man. So a few folks that, uh, that that are rejoining us again, uh, gracias mucho, because uh, you guys are gonna listen to this one again. And hey, you know what? You can guess again, and you might be right this time. So here it is, man. Uh, I'm gonna go back to it. 40k, big snappy robots. That's what I'm thinking here, man. Easy one. Yeah. Ninth, ninth edition's coming out. Got it. Yeah, I agree that that's um, 
that's got to be 40k. I mean, it, it could be something dwarven, but I highly doubt it. It's it's more than likely 40k. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at even the cogs look very uh, well machined, which, you know, something that would have happened in the Age of Sigmar world that never really kind of uh, played into a possibility for me. So that, that's that's our guess, right? 40K? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, with, with Ninth Age, uh, there I go again, Ninth Age, and with Ninth Edition right around the corner, um, boy, I, I got that evil, awful Brand X just stuck in my head. Hmm. <laughs> All right. You'll just never get beyond that, will you? Never, 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 never. Uh, that short pants and nobblers. I'm going to stick with that. But, yeah, so let's let's move on to the next point here. This is the community uh, painting competition winner from May of 2020. And, and I got to I got to tell you, this is um, uh, this is this is pretty intense because um, the show. We we just can't catch a break, man. I got to make sure that uh, we are even uh, even live right now. Uh, looks like we are, uh, yeah, we are live, man. We're good for five minutes now. Keep rolling, Steve. You ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. We are folks. We are done fumbling around. I promise. So here it is. Um, we got this, uh, the self-crowned King here, and, and this is actually kind of cool because I, I really started paying attention to this competition, uh, and what an amazed, and, and I'm really just amazed at the quality of these painted models. I mean, really just such awesome, awesome talent. Um, each month, uh, GW is going to be asking community members to show them their best painted models based on obviously a chosen theme. And this, this past theme, this maze theme was the beast. And of course, this is the winner right here. This is the picture that, uh, that I'm showing you. Uh, this is their submission. Um, but I also wanted to share Steve, if I could with you and some of the other folks, uh, some of the others um some of the other painted pictures i guess the painted models because uh they're just too good not to show off and i, and I think they you know as far as runners up i really could have been a toss-up between any one of these as far as the the winner so here's one that's going to be your favorite right here man we got the dank hold trogoth right here man that uh that was the 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 next runner up to the best one i like the shadings and the purples and all that kind of good stuff yeah, I think that the dank holds always look better with the bluish or purplish shadings. Um, and I love that base. I love the way they did that base. But uh, it just it just accentuates what it is. It's such a beautiful model. And um, I wish only wish that we would see more of them on the table. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, and then uh, moving on to uh, the pick number three. Uh, here's this one. This is my personal favorite, man. It's my Beastie Boys. It's a Cygor. So we got this one uh, working with us. And uh, I, this one I thought was actually kind of well done. I like the, the different uh, different color yellows and things like that that, uh, that are appearing in the, uh, in the model. Good stuff, man. Yeah, that's beautifully done. Any of the large monsters, if you have a master class painter... Uh, they can really show you how beautiful those models can look at a table. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, I, I could never even dream of uh, of being able to paint quite like that. Uh, that's <laughs> that's for darn sure, man. And here's the fourth one. Now this one, I got to admit, I was I was the least impressed with. This is the this is the Fomeroid Crusher. Um, again, but this still beats the pants off anything I could ever paint. But it's uh, it's just marginal at best to me. I mean, I, I've seen this <laughs> I've seen this kind of paint job just about anywhere. What's sad is that I never see that model on the table. I don't think I've ever seen that model. Yeah, you know what? I, I think it's kind of been just just subrogated to Warcry, if you want to know the truth. Um, because yeah, in, in this game so. where, you know, really anything under 12 wounds has a great opportunity of dying pretty quickly, 
this I think these these guys are only six wounds. I think they're a goner at that point. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a couple a couple arrow shots to that sucker and he's dead. Oh yeah, exactly. But you know, I I got to tell you though, I like the concept. And when they first came out, I really enjoyed what uh, GW was trying to accomplish with with them as you know as far as being um, part of the you know I guess the best way to put it the um, uh, the slaves to darkness army, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think they were models that were probably intended more for war cry, but you could throw them with slaves. I mean, I, I just don't ever see anybody playing that model, which is a shame because it's a beautiful model. It's a nice, it's a very nice looking model. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, but that's everything on the, uh, on, on that front for the news, but you can submit your entry for the painting competition before the, before the 30th of June by dropping a pic in the comments of the Warhammer Facebook page, uh, or the Warhammer community site, or by tagging uh, either Twitter or Instagram with hashtag Warhammer Paint Comp when you drop your picture in either uh, Twitter or or Instagram. So that's everything with the news, man. Do you have anything uh, anything additional to, that you want to share with, with with the news? No, I think it's been a pretty uh, slow news week, uh, obviously for AOS with the release of all the 40k stuff coming out. Uh, but that's okay. We'll get our time in June. I have a feeling that uh, mid to late June is going to be uh, is going to be the release of either the Lumineth or the Suns. More than likely, the Lumineth. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so good stuff. Well, let's uh, let's kind of keep it rolling here, right into our first topic. And and, and Steve, I, I'm kind of itching to kind of hear what you have to say about this one. I mean, we talk about strengthening clubs by respecting all aspects of the hobby. Yeah. Um, there are so many. I mean, if you've been in the hobby for as long as I have, for 25 years, you've seen clubs come and you've seen them go. And I think that the most important thing that you have to have before you even put models on the table is you have to have some kind of infrastructure. You have to have a, you have to have a leader of the club. And by leader, I don't mean someone who tells other people what to do. A leader leads. They lead by example. Sure. Um, and I, you know, I think that it's probably best that you have a designated leader to coordinate uh, what we call war meets, which is when we get together and we plan on what days, you know, we intend to be at the shop. Right. Or on which days we intend to be at the shop. And then, um, of course, from there, you have to have a battle standard. Um, and a battle standard is kind of like that person that keeps the games rolling, the, the guy that keeps, or gal, that keeps the, um, keeps the people uh, interested, the person that kind of organizes games. And each one of these, each one of these roles is very distinct. Your leader is the person who, who kind of leads from the background, basically. That's the person who like I said, who organizes your battle standards, that guy that kind of keeps the games rolling and comes up with ideas for games. And right. I think it's very important that you have these roles in place before you get your club up and running. Because a club is not something that is, uh, it, it's not something that's two-dimensional. It's multifaceted. You, you have to have, number one, you have to have people who are loyal to the club. You have to have people that are willing to show up to your war meets. You have to have people that are willing to come to those war meets with painted armies. And 
you know, we've been talking about this a lot lately. It is just unconscionable to me that after all of this time that we've been away from gaming, that anyone should be showing up without a painted army. And that may sound a little harsh, but if you've had your army since like March, it's time to get it painted guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to sound, you know, like, you know, like the nagging old, you know, grandmother or anything, but you know, it, we have, we have had plenty of, of time. I know guys who have personally, and these are guys who are still working still, you know, full-time jobs during this crisis. Uh, these guys have painted like three or four armies. So there's no excuse for us not to have at least one painted army ready to go to put on that table because war meets eventually result in battle reports, especially for a well-organized club. And that's probably our the next step for our club is that we're going to start doing battle reports. Right. So yeah, there's absolutely. absolutely yeah, there's absolutely no reason not to have uh, painted armies ready to go and on that table. Um, and then secondly, or thirdly, you want to make sure that you have painted terrain. So when you're putting terrain on that table, and I'm talking about army terrain as well as the terrain that your group pulls together which is something I wanted to talk about. Yeah, good. If you, if you wanted to, if you want your club to be thought of as a professional gaming club, and by a professional club, I mean that you, you, you meet when you say you're going to meet, uh, you play when you say you're going to play, you know, you, you have the painted armies, you have the painted terrain. You want to make sure that the terrain for your club looks as professional and nice as the terrain that you paint for your army because it will draw people will draw a distinction when they look at your tables right and they will see that and also there is no reason that if you have a pool of terrain that your club is buying it shouldn't be just two or three guys that are buying all the terrain for the club Every member of that club, if they're a consistent member of that club, should be contributing to the ter- to the pool of terrain. Right. Which yeah, that's means, very important. Yeah, it is. It is important because it's not like um, someone you're you're painting for someone else to play with. You're doing this for the betterment of your club. So there's right. no reason that you couldn't pick out two pieces of terrain. And it doesn't have to be GW terrain. It could be terrain, you know, from any company. There's millions of companies out there that make terrain, trees, you know, castles, houses. But buy at least two pieces of terrain to paint up and put in the pool for your club. Because I think it's important that when we do get back to the tables, that we are showcasing the talent of our group. Because remember, when people look at the group as a whole, They're going to look at not only just your armies, but they're going to look at your battle mat, see if it's raggedy or if it's a nice battle mat. They're going to look at your terrain to see if, you know, if it's well painted and it's and it shows that you care about it. And lastly, they're going to look and this is, I think, probably the most important part. And this is something you have harped on since day one. They're going to look at that social contract of gaming. They're going to look at the the etiquette on that table. Yeah. If they right. see, look, when you're with your friends, you're going to, you're going to make smart aleck comments. 
you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to joke around. You're going to tease You're you're, you know, you're with your buddies and that's what buddies do. Right. But if they look over the table and they see one guy screaming at another guy, or if they see one guy fighting and arguing with another guy, that will send the worst vibes you could possibly imagine to anybody who's even thinking about getting into that hobby. Yeah. And, and if I can kind of rewind here a little bit, you know, our war meets for a club, you know, when we first, we, we first endeavored on these, we wanted to make sure that our war meets were done in such a way that they were inviting to new players. And if you got guys that are, you know, chucking dice and, you know, flipping people off and getting kicked out of gaming stores, that ironically enough doesn't uh, doesn't attract very many gamers because let's look at it this way a lot of people use this hobby as an escape i would i would i would i would venture to say and i'm not going to get on my soapbox here but probably if, if there were 10 people playing this hobby seven of them use this hobby as some form of an escape or relaxation, which is a form of escaping from something in real life. So um, they don't want the the stress uh, or the workplace possible craziness they, that they get at work in, in their, in their hobby, you know, absolutely not. So, but yeah, I, I do believe in that. And, you know, I like what you said about painted armies, because I think the biggest thing that attracts, and, and I'm going to throw something back at you, Steve, this is something that you say all the time. Um, something that you say that that is so powerful is that you say all the time when new people come up or people walking by and they see fully painted armies on the table that really gets them interested not only even if they don't know anything about age of sigmar they don't know anything about about games workshop warhammer nothing they're going to want to know what they're looking at because armies even if you paint like i do they look pretty damn good on the table even if you're a lousy painter like me. Now, if you're a damn good painter, like some of the some of the guys, most of the guys, I, I would say that we have in, in our in our grimdark gaming group. Oh yeah, we have no less than I would say three professional painters. I, I would yeah, I would definitely say I would I would put a marker on probably three to four at for for sure that are yeah. just absolute knockout painters. Which by the way, Grimdark will paint your army for you if anyone's interested. Head over to grimdarklive.com and uh, check it out, and uh, we will we'll paint your army for you. Anyway, so how how about that for a shameless plug to interrupt your whole segment, Steve? What do you think about that? No, I think it's great because um <laughs> a public service announcement brought to you by Frag Factory 3D Printing. Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures, yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D Printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities, fantasy outposts, elven forests, demonic stronghold, and so much more. Find out what you've been missing by checking us out on Facebook at Frag Factory 3D Printing or send us an email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com. Bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for. Take your gaming to the next level with Frag Factory 3D Printing. We print life into your games. Tell them Grimdark Live sent you and your first hour of printing is free. Hey gang, in all seriousness, Get your terrain on the table and get it with Frag Factory 3D Printing. And remember, tell them Grimdark Live sent you and they'll give you one hour free. You can get them via email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com or their Facebook page, Frag Factory 3D Printing. Frag Factory 3D Printing. Printing life into your games. Now... 
back to the show. I, actually, there are people out there, and it could be medical reasons. I mean, um, uh, there are a lot of people out there for medical reasons. Perhaps they can't uh, they can't focus. You know, they have maybe vertigo or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like someone I know or someone I know real close. Yeah, me. Yeah. Um, yeah, you you might need to have that that person paint your army, and there's no shame in that as long as you're honest about it. I mean, the the only thing that I find egregious is when someone goes to a tournament and they claim that the beautifully painted army they have is something that they've accomplished because to me that's theft. Well, you're yeah, stealing, you're stealing that artist's uh, recognition, that the due recognition of that artist. Like, um, I'm probably going to have my vampires painted for me. Uh, I'm not going to go to a tournament and say, oh, yeah, I did this. Because, number one, uh, it would make me feel dirty because it, it's not it's stealing another artist's work. Yeah, I think what actually I think what's really courteous is if you ever do go to a tournament, it might not be a bad idea to have the card. If the, if the artist has a card mm -hmm. like for their business um, to maybe place it on the side of the table. And, and just put it somewhere. So if someone comes up and says, oh, wow, that's a you know, gorgeous army. You could just say, yeah, this guy here painted it for me. Right. But and be I, honest about it. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I think we kind of took a left turn at Albuquerque right there on the on the topic, because we, we've talked about that plenty of times before, you know, as far as composite scoring. We're, we're not going to get into that right now. But that's no, that, no, that's... no. But what I'm no, I don't even think it was going in that direction. I just think it was when. No, not even. I think that what happens is sometimes is that you'll see people that will go to tournaments, you know, when they go outside of their club, once again, we're still talking about etiquette. Right, right, right. You know, you're going outside your club and you're and you're holding up a, a paint job as your own when it's not. That to me is is in a way like theft because you're stealing. It's almost in the realm of like, you know, intellectual property rights, if, if you will. You're stealing someone else's hard work. Just be honest about it. If you had someone paint your army be and be kind and courteous to that artist because that artist may need other work. And someone may come by, look at your army and say, wow, that's really nice. You know, you, just, you did a great job. You could say, well, I didn't do it, but this artist here did. Yeah. And now, you're, and now you're helping that artist find work. So we do that within our own club. How many times have we said, hey, I'm thinking about a new army, but I just, I'm really not in the mood to paint it, or I really don't want to paint it, or, you know, just for med maybe medical reasons, I can't paint it. True. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's out of line to use the talent that is within your group. No, not at all. And you know something, like I said, we, we got, uh, we got a deep bench when it comes to that, but let me just say one thing, uh, and then apologize for another thing. One, the first thing I want to say is you've heard me talk about it before. And I find that the, the painting of the armies and taking the, um, the honest approach to it is, is the best way to do it. And I'm not going to mention the tournament's name, but I was at a very large tournament once. And I happened to know the professional painter that happened to paint this individual's army that ended up winning the entire tournament. And as I was watching the award ceremony at this, again, large tournament, um, I was actually standing about three people away from the painter. And at any rate, uh, this person went up there and won uh, Best Painted. And I kind of looked over at the painter and I kind of gave this person a little bit kind of like a like a wink wink nudge nudge like okay so afterwards i think it bothered me more than anyone else because i said are, are you upset and this person said nah you know what it's it, it's okay you know um and kind of left it at that but that's always stuck with me uh that yeah that, because uh, if, if if a person had any dignity they would have taken that 
uh, that award and they would have gone over and handed it to the artist, especially if the artist was there. Right. I would. I guarantee you I would have. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's a, um, well, like I said, that that's that's a whole nother conversation for sure. uh, composite scoring and, and and all that kind of stuff. So that we, but that's but you know I do like where and and, and folks uh, for all you guys that are that are finally joining us back on the show. I'm not sure what the lag was uh, with uh, with YouTube earlier. Uh, all systems go. Uh, we apologize for the first little hiccup on the first portion of the show, uh, and and then I guess there was a little bit of a lag, even though we were showing that we were live um, from when everybody could could hear the show. So I really hope that uh, didn't disturb too much. If you need to go back and catch the first 10 minutes of the second part of this show, please go ahead and do that. And uh, thank you very much uh, for being awesome grimdark goons. All right, let's keep rolling on on strengthening clubs by respecting all aspects of the hobby. I like this one. So we didn't touch on one thing. Um, yeah, and that's... Was one, there was one more thing I did want to mention. Okay. And that's being a welcoming club. Uh, there is no greater way to kill your hobby than to be a click. Uh, if you have someone that comes into your store, someone that you, yeah, obviously that you don't know, and they come up and they stand by your table and they watch your games and they say, Hey, I really like this game. You know, this, this looks like it would be a really, you know, fun game to play. Would it kill you to stop for maybe five to 10 minutes, you know, and say, Hey, what's your name? You know, you know, like, like we do, you know, yeah, we're grimdark, you know, we're the grimdark live club, you know, this is, this is who we are. This is what we do. You know, we meet on these days and I've seen you do it, Pat, probably more times than I can even count. Especially if you're not in a game, you'll take that person off to the side and talk to him for a half hour. Yeah. I've seen you do it. I've seen you do it. Right. That is what I think we need to really remember. We need to be good ambassadors to the, to not only just, to our club, but to our hobby. Right. If someone comes up and they're and they're new, be good to that person. Help them out because they could end up being a great opponent for you someday. And that's another member for your club. Right. Yeah. And I've it, never known a club that wants to shrink in size. I mean, no. that, that, you know, never heard of that. No. And, so, and you want to know something? I, I think that we've done a good job. And, and like I said, I know we're, 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 we're giving ourselves carpal tunnels by patting ourselves on the back here, but you know, the fact is we worked hard, you know, we, 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 we put a, a group together of people that want a game. And, and I think part of it was the war meets. I think part of it, and I think that's a secret to success with, with any club because people's lives are hectic. You know, they work, they, um, they, they have a life. And so by having a time for gamers to get together that are scheduled, they can plan this hectic, crazy thing called life around that. So they can get out there with their buddies and chuck some dice. And I think that's the biggest key because it gives those people that, that staple on the calendar to say, this is when I have to have this unit painted, or this is a new thing I want to try, or this is, I want to really get that game in against Steve and finally beat the crap out of those trolls. You know, that's what people can start looking forward to. And I think that's the essence of a good club is that ability to look forward to, to something. Yeah. And it's important because if you, if you want to keep your club relevant and you want to keep your club, uh, you know, growing and interesting and, and welcoming, you have to be good guys. You have to be the kind of people that are willing to, to step aside and talk to a new person every once in a while and get them into the hobby because they could end up someday being one of your best friends. Right. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. 
And, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, the other thing that you brought up uh, in, in kind of talking about strengthening clubs is scheduled meetings. I, you know, I think that's a great idea. And I'll be honest with you here, folks. It's something that uh, we don't do enough of. Is that? I guess that's the best way to put it, right, Steve? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to have scheduled war meets because that way, you know, look, we all have different careers. We all, some of us, you know, some of the guys work on the weekends. Especially Randy. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, Randy especially. And so he, you know, a guy like Randy needs to know ahead of time what days are going to be open for him to play. Right. So I think a war meet, and it also helps out on the home front because if you're married, and your wife says, well, you know, hey, when's the next time you're playing? I don't know. Well, that doesn't help out the wife because, you know, she's already planned ahead, you know, five months in advance. I mean, so she's going to want to know when, you know, when you're planning on not being there for a weekend. Yeah. And, and let me just say this right now to all the married guys out there. Listen to the words coming out of my mouth very carefully. Half. 50%. Half. So <laughs> don't mess around. All right. Yeah, you know, and it's being courteous to them, too, because, you know, we have to sometimes understand that there are people that are not in our hobby that are affected by our hobby. Oh, yeah. The wives, of course, you know, being what we're talking about. Right. Right. Yep. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I'm sorry that I was I mistook that, that your, your your original thing about scheduled meetings. We have war meets. We have we have get togethers. I'm thinking scheduled meetings where, you know, you get together with some of the guys, some of the clubs kind of an, on an off war meet day, a call or whatever. And you sit around a restaurant table like we use. We've done that a couple of times, Steve. We said, what do you want to do to make the war meets more interesting? What you know, what do you want to try, you know? And it's kind of a way to keep the to get the club's input because I think that's important. Everybody has to have skin in the game, a vested interest in that club in order for it to be successful. Um, that, at least that's my thought because you want everyone to take a little bit of ownership in that club. Yeah, and I think I a think. club needs to be open with itself. Like if there's a problem, you you know you bring it up. Right. Um, and you don't even have to bring it up to the club as a whole. Well, you know, if you have a problem with another game, like, you know, for instance, if you had a problem in a game or something, you just go to that person and say, hey, you know, this, that, or the other thing happened. Uh, explain it to me. Yeah. And, well, you and I had that, Steve, right? Oh, I mean, we, we've, I, mean uh, I think I've, we've had that. I think everyone in our club has had that at some time because if I'm playing against an army like OCR Bone Reapers, I don't know a thing about OCR Bone Reapers other than they are, you know, the Petrifix Legion and the basic rules of that. But they could have crazy rules I've never heard of. Sure. Because yeah. we don't, you know, but and I don't think it's out of line to say to someone, hey, I don't understand that rule. Could you explain it to me? Right, right. You're and, not accusing and, them of cheating. You're not acu accusing them of doing something, you know, untoward. You know, <laughs> but I did. You're not. You know, you're <laughs> but, just, but you want to know something, folks? I, I think if you build a good rapport and have a strength, a strong enough crew in your gaming club, you can get past even mistakes like that. Like, I, I'll, Steve, I got to tell them a real, the, the real quick version of the story. Can I do that? <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not going to complain about the daughters again, are you? I, folks, I literally thought this guy was the most honest liar I had ever met in my life. We played a game. I, I, I was playing my... my, Isn't my that oxymoron? But I, I'm telling you what, I thought this guy would tell the truth if he had to lie to do it. I'm telling you what. I, I mean, the, I, I thought Steve was the type of guy that would come up to me and tell me I lost my wallet before... He found my wallet before I knew I lost it. That, I thought that's the kind of guy he was in this game. Let me tell you something, man. Crook doesn't even... He spelled crook with a C and a K. I'm telling you right now. But 
we're playing a game and I had my beast of chaos and I had my mighty minotaurs and I really thought that they were 10 foot tall and bulletproof and I could just walk through any army. And next thing you know, the, you know, a bunch of these Baywatch, you know, babes with, with razor blades killed all my minotaurs. And he had this crazy again and again save. And I, I couldn't figure it out. And of course, you know, he explained it to me and it sounded like Serbian stereo instructions when he, when he first explained it to me. So I thought for sure he was more full of, he was full of more shit than an ex you know, than, than an outhouse at an ex convention, if you want to know Please. the truth. Yeah. But, uh, but, but truthfully, I was able to talk to him about it and we came to that conclusion. And, you know, I'll still say it to you today, man, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, I mistook the game and, but I think we had that conversation privately we went through it and then i I still feel like a jerk over it, but you don't want to know something. We can have those conversations because we have a strong gaming group We're we're more than just like acquaintances. We're actually good friends. All of us in our group, I would say are pretty damn good friends. Um, even the bunker rats, those lousy bastards. I know they're, I know they're listening right now and I'm, you know, I'm aware of you guys, all of you. Oh, and they're, they're very upset that they did not hear their shout out from me. So I'm going to have to interject at some point in this to, to do my shout out to them. Oh, well, what, what, would you, would you like to do it now? Can we take a break? Since sure, I'm, sure. I'm sure, I'm sure they're all upset, you know, not, so, not upset at me, of course you, but you know, uh, I understand. You, are you kidding? I told you you're their second favorite person in the whole world. Unreal. Who's the first one? Everybody else. Yeah. See that, 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 that hurt the second time. It really did. I'm going to let that one slide this time, but I'll tell you what, all four of them little utes, you're in trouble when you, when I, when I, when I get you on the table, man. Hey gang, I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12. GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, dice, and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming, located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com. Again, that's www.GameStormGaming.com. They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events. So get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, 630-243-9330. Again, that's GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. GameStorm Gaming is a proud sponsor of Grimdark Live. We hope to see you there. You're Wait, done. No, let me explain Toast. who these guys are. The, the Bunker Rats are a group of, well, they were kids. They're, you know, older and uglier now. Uh, they were a... Much. They, they were a group of younger guys that gamed with us. And uh, I used to jokingly call Smiles my shadow because every time I was gaming somewhere, he'd be sitting right next to me. And um, we just, you know, we just got to know these kids over the years, and now they're all grown up and uglier. And um, it's uh, it's just a nice, uh, it's just a nice thing to see that these kids who we once, you know, used to joke with and laugh with, are now, you know, coming to tournaments and kicking our butts. You know, and I think that's a good thing because we had a great group 
of guys that we gamed with at the bunker many years ago. You know, Chase and Smiles and Bryson and Josh, you know, the guys who are the current bunker rats, you know. These guys, you know, we gamed with these guys. I mean, not so much Bryson because, you know, he's he was, I think, a little bit younger at the time. But, you know, Chase, Smiles, and Josh, definitely. You know, we gamed with these guys for years. And uh, they became, you know, they became good friends of us, you know, of ours. And, you know, you have to understand, you're going to meet people when you start in this hobby. You're going to meet people that you'll probably end up being friends with for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I got to tell you, you know, as far as as far as Chase and 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 you know Bryson, Smiles, Josh, all those guys, you know, I'm really impressed where they came from. I mean, we first started gaming with them; they were they were they were just like they were they were our little snotlings over there at the bunker. Um, and and knowing how well they turned out after getting arrested selling dope disguised as nuns, that's the thing that I found to be just so impressive about all four of them. They really <laughs> rebounded quite nicely. <laughs> You know, I'm proud of all four of you. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They they look at you like a father figure, the father that abandoned them. Yeah, well, I'm I'm like I'm like that weird stepdad that they're not too sure of that actually runs a security gate at the trailer park. That's who I am to them. <laughs> oh yeah, but I tell you what, they've uh, you know they they've become quite the quite the gamers. Uh, uh, Chase's, uh, I know Chase and his Sylvaneth. Uh, they'll put your lights out. In two seconds, if you make a mistake with them, so you uh, you don't mess with these guys now. These these uh, these kids have become uh, killers now. They're, they're straight up killers. But you know, folks, that's kind of what we're kind of exemplifying here. We're kind of talking about how the gaming group takes a while to grow, and you got to be patient with it. And you know, we have we have a ton. I mean, we we could sit here and probably bore the heck out of everybody listening that that isn't necessarily gaming with with the Grim Dark Goons. Uh, on those war meets, which, by the way, everybody listening within earshot, you're all welcome. You know, head down to GameStorm. Let's populate the place. Let's have a great time when all this lockdown is done. But the whole point that we're trying to exemplify here, folks, is that how important a gaming group is and the the friendships, the lasting friendships that you gain with these people over a long period of time. And, you know, I always said this, the essence to me of a real gaming group is if GW were to close their doors tomorrow, and, you know, dice manufacturers all decided to go out of business and, and that was that. Would, say, you and I, Steve, or, you know, uh, Justin, or any, any, of the, any of the guys, would we go out and, and have a beer and, and, and a steak and, and, and hang out? Of course we would. We'd go see a movie. We'd go do something because we're, we're friends, but we're friends because of this hobby. And that, that's, that's kind of what, that's what's important. So when we talk about you know, doing things as far as a group, like painting the armies, scheduling the war meets, um, having group terrain pools where we can actually have, you know, uh, train pieces for small tournaments, war meets, apocalypse games. You know, those are all contributions that not only help strengthen the gaming experience, but that friendship. Was that too much of a soapbox explanation? No, I think it's, uh, it's dead on because uh, in the end, you know, all we're really doing on the table is pushing around a bunch of toy soldiers and we're rolling, you know, dice. That's right. You know, the, you know, looking for those random, you know, outcomes. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're the people that you make friends with outside of the hobby, you know, the, the people that you start to become friends with as a result of the hobby, I should say, yeah. you know, they're much more important than any toy soldier game. The game is about people. The game is about interaction. It's about us guys getting together and laughing and making fun of each other and, and teasing each other. 
that's what we do. That's what we did when we were at the bunker and we had such a good time and we had such a, you know, a, a big, beautiful group. Right. And that, that group was taken away from us for a couple of years because the bunker closed, you know, but now we're kind of, you know, as a result of, you know, AOS kind of bringing the fantasy guys back together, we're starting to rekindle all those friendships and stuff that we, That's you true. know, that we had for those years, Yeah, you know, because some of us were separated by, you know, by time and stuff, you know, some of the kids, you know, some of these kids, you know, I know Zach, you know, smiles, he had to go off to college and prison. You know, yeah. I mean, it's been tough. Change. Yeah. Priorities change. You know, your younger <laughs> guys go to college and they've got to, you know, yeah. take their business and then, you know, they come back to the hobby when they're ready. And that's the natural order of things. So and that, that to me is what makes that to me is what makes a group special that, that the groups, that the, gr the group grows over the years. You have right. your older gamers, your, you know, your, you know, your somewhat younger gamers. And then, you know, you've got the kids that are starting now and, you know, one day they're going to be, you know, young men out there chucking dice and beating up on us old guys. That's right. Well, so, so let's, let's, let's kind of wrap this one up because we're kind of winding down this, this topic here and let, let, let's, let's go to one that I think is probably the best out of all of them and, and the least obvious. And that's respecting the battle plan and the terrain rules. You know, you kind of mentioned that, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that um, just to close it out, when you decide that you're going to play a singles game, especially, uh, you need to come up with the battle plan that you rolled. And I, and believe me, we're all guilty of it. You know, I can't even tell you how many times we've said, oh, I don't want to play that one right now. But we got to stop doing that because you're going to go to a tournament sometime and you're going to get a battle plan that you never want to play, that you're going to end up playing and you're not going to know how to, how to get through it. Now, when you get a battle plan rolled up, you stick with it and make sure that when you are putting terrain on the table, that you're following the rules that GW has set forth for terrain. If there's supposed to be 10 pieces of terrain on the table, try your your best to get 10 pieces of terrain on that table you know do what do what the rules say you should do because if a new person comes in and they're looking at that and they're saying well wait a minute it says here in the book that I'm supposed to have 10 pieces of terrain on the table and I only see like three or four you know what I mean right. yeah they're yeah. gonna look at that and they're gonna go you know they're gonna think something's wrong because they, they're new and they just read the book and the book is telling them one thing and you're telling them another. Sure. That's yeah. why you have to have the consistency. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing is I think the, the whole, uh, going back, you know, like you forget to do something in your hero phase and now you're all of a sudden you're, you're, you're 25% into your movement phase and you're like, Oh, well I, I need to go back. Well, that we should, we should make sure that we're, we're helping and coaching our, our fellow gamers so that they don't make those mistakes but the best way to learn not to make those mistakes is to not let that person go back. Now, it's not that we're being a jerk, but we're furthering trying to help our club be the best version of themselves when it comes to the tabletop Oh, I can't game. even tell you how many times I forget to roll or forget to use the command ability at the start of the combat phase to reroll once. Right. And then, and then you know, sometimes I have a night, you know, opponent will say, ah, you can go back. I don't care. You know, you can use it if you want. And I'm like, nope, that's right. my fault. I'm the yeah. dummy who forgot to do it. That's my fault. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and I, oftentimes when I forget a rule, I'm not nearly as honorable as that. I'm, I'm constantly going back going, well, okay, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of games in uh, here at the nerd bunker with, with my son, Evan, you know, and, um, the other night we, we, we were playing his Skaven versus my, my, uh, my ogres, my beast claws. And, um, 
I, I totally went back on a, on, a, on a rule of the game, and I think that's what tipped the game in my favor. Now, ultimately, that's not really fair to him, because had I, he not been cool about it and said, yeah, go back and, and redo what you were going to do, uh, then who knows how the game would have turned out. But I think that that's another thing that is going to help people. And I bet you if people held you to that standard a little bit, you would start remembering. That's right. To do that, you know that that uh, that that command piece in the uh, in the combat phase. So, yeah, it's a it's a very old school way of of teaching someone, you know, the rules and, right. and how to do things and how to follow the rules. You know, yeah, and, and it's important because you know, like like you said, not only from a standpoint of your of two things, I would think your club's reputation when you're out at a tournament, because everyone's yep. going to be wearing the club shirt. Everyone's going to be talking about the club and, and people kind of get known a little bit, almost like that biker gang or that tribe of who you're with. Um, and you know, you don't want to be a complete rum dum, you know, when you're out at some big tournament and, you know, making rules or screwing or making up rules or screwing up rules or, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's key. Number one, but I think number two is, it enforces it forces you to be cognizant about what you're doing and help your other, help other gamers uh, be a better version of themselves. So that when a new person does come in, let's say they're just they're not new to the game, but they're new to your group, and they see you constantly going back, they could say, "Wow, well, these guys are kind of loosey goosey. I don't really know that I want to play with this." Because yeah. there are people out there, even if they're not competitive, they want to play a prime way. If that if that makes sense, you know, maybe yeah, they don't I... want to be competitive, but they want to play it right, and they want they want a, a very primed game. And that should be respected. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that should be respected. And, and uh, you should aspire to that as, as a group of gamers, you know, that, that you know your army. Um, and I think a lot of the times what ends up happening is, to kind of close us all out, I know we're kind of going a little bit over here, but that's okay. Yeah, we're good. I, I think what happens is, is that um, people sometimes play so many different armies right. that – and they don't stick with the same army for a lengthy time. I've been playing my trolls now for a year. I know those trolls. Like, I know how they work. So when I do start that combat phase and I forget to roll, you know, forget to use the command point, I'm like, God, you know, I, I get pissed at myself because I'm getting old and senile. But, you know, when I forget it, I don't say, oh, can I go back? No, you don't do that to yourself. Right. Because it's 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 hurting you as a gamer. Because like you said, you know, eventually you're going to kick yourself in the rear end enough times, and you're going to have that bruise there to remind you that you've been doing something wrong. Right. Exactly. And you know what? And the thing is, and that's just like I said, everybody wants to be good at what they're doing. We're spending a lot of time and money on this on this game, and that's a key point. But yeah, I think that's I think those are all awesome points, Steve. As far as you know, strengthening a gaming club by respecting all aspects of the hobby. And again, those aspects are, and if you don't mind me repeating them, I took good notes here, Steve. Uh, group terrain pools, painted armies, scheduled meetings, and respecting battle plans and terrain rules. Good stuff, man. Yeah, and also being a good ambassador to to your for your club and for the hobby. Yeah, I didn't write that one down because I'm not a very good ambassador. I think I might be the the resident jerk of the club, right? <laughs> like I said, your your Chase, your Chase and Smiles second favorite person. I'll tell you what, you know, Chase, Bryson, Smiles, Josh, I'm gonna keep an eye on you guys. You you know, Utes. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live experience and the show. If you want to support the show, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on our podcast. This way you'll be alerted when we post new content. If you'd like to support Grimdark Live further, 
head over to GrimdarkLive.com, get a t-shirt, dice, or there's Patreon, which makes our show possible, keeps our mics on and the lights buzzing. Big thanks to everyone, past, present, and future, who have supported Grimdark Live. We do this because of all of you, and of course, we will continue doing this for as long as we can. Okay, you guys ready for more Grimdark Live? Let's get back to the show. All right, good stuff, man. Well, let's see, let's keep uh, let's keep rolling on, man. So here it is. We got uh, we got the next topic here, and that's uh, I think it kind of fits a little bit with what we were uh, talking about, you know, as far as club games and getting those games and playing team games, right? Um, playing team games in Age of Sigmar. Uh, and Steve, you know, here later on the show, the question of the day is going to marry up to this next topic right here. So so here well, goes. Let's talk team games in Age of Sigmar. Sure. And, and and to justify this topic, let, let's let's take team games uh, in a balance type concept. You know, so in other words, let's talk team games balance and best points, which is, I guess, part of balance, you know, all in, in all reality. Uh, but team games, they can be a, a great way to play this game of ours in, in Age of Sigmar. I mean, Steve, back in Adepticon 19, you and I played in the Friday team event, and and those three games were an absolute blast. I never right. had so much fun at a tournament. I mean, they were. I, I don't think we stopped laughing until we left the actual venue. No, because there was no stress. Yeah. In 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 team tournaments, I think that the stress level is way down because. People play team tournaments and team games because they just want to, you know, chuck dice with their buddies and have fun. Right. And if you win, great. If you lose, that's great, too. Yeah. And I think that's why that was such a fun tournament, because it was designed to be just that. Yeah, exactly. And and, and and folks, just just a little reference, you know, uh, Steve, you were playing your Gloomspite Gits, that spider army. Yep. And I was playing, this is, of course, before the book, my Beast Claw Raiders, the, the, the quote-unquote dirty snowball list. I was playing the, uh, the Thunder Tusks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to tell you, those three games, that whole event, so it was, was just a riot. And, and team games can be a great way to enrich a friendship with a fellow gamer or maybe try out that new army at a lower point somehow, like 750 or 1,000 points. Uh, if you're just trying to figure it out. And, and as far as armies in Age of Sigmar uh, teaming up, I think there are some great pairings. Like, for instance, if I were to think of two great, you know, of course, I'm not going to stay within the Grand Alliance here, folks, because most tournaments, you know, they don't care about that. But if I were to if I were to put together great team matchups, I think Nurgle and Sylvaneth play extremely well together. I think Beasts of Chaos and Skaven play you know the fuzzy fuckers. I think they play great together. Or heck, even our even our ogres and gloomspite. You know that spider. They they didn't do too bad, Steve. I mean, oh if, no. If, if it wasn't great. for the dice, we'd have done a lot better. I think. Yeah, you know that that you really got familiar with the number one in that. Why, why do why do you got to bring it up like that? I told you I was oh, going to hold I, my I, temper I, and everything on this show. You already screwed that, that up. You know, uh, six ones out of how many possible dice rolls? In oh God. <laughs> It was, you know, folks, in the old rules, if many of you guys don't know this, I, I, I had Thunder Tusks. And the old rules was on a 2-plus, within 18 inches, their shooting ability, now it was an ability, their dirty snowball did six mortal wounds. Bang. Each. There, in that game, 
It, I believe it was, was that, uh, that was not the beer bitch game. That was our second to last that game, was, correct? No, that was our first game. That was against uh, Adam and, okay. um, and Tanya. Yep, that's right. That's right. So we played that game. And... Who, by the way, found your uh, excessive ones quite comical. Well, yes. And, and, and I've been hearing about it ever since. Um, and you'll continue to hear about it. And I got to tell you, in three shooting phases, three shooting phases, with all three Thunder Tusks, I rolled three ones. Unbelievable. I, I rolled three ones three times. The the Tanya's Ghoul King on the Zombie Dragon was laughing at you. And oh. I didn't think that was possible, that a model could actually laugh at a living human being. Yeah, but it, it literally... Happened. Yeah, it literally became animated and laughed at me. It was. <laughs> it pointed at you, and then and then subsequently asked the entire class to point at you and laugh as well. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty pathetic. But hey, thanks for the kick in the schmeckle there, Steve. You know that little hey, that little kick down memory Fred lane. For, I appreciate buddy. that one. That's what friends are for. Wait, wait a minute. There's something wrong here. What is happening? Get ready, Grimdark goons to time travel back in time to a Grimdark Live show segment from the past. The past? A segment from a show back in time. Get ready, Grimdark goons. Here we go. Do a little round robin here and ask about the uh, the question of the day. So I'm going to start with our with our guest, Steve. So, you know, you've been in the hobby for a while, and, and I kind of thought about this, kind of, kind of thinking about the uh, the early advice you gave my uh, myself and my son when we first came shambling into that uh, that uh, GW store all those many years ago. So, um, I want to I want to see if you, if if your if your mentality about it or your you know your thought on on this question has changed over the years. But you know, you got a new gamer, and you got someone that's just getting uh, starting out. So. What is what? What is some advice, or you know, what actually, what would be the what, what would be the one recommendation? Let me let me start there. What's a what's a recommendation you would give to a brand new player? He comes in, he doesn't he doesn't own a model or a dice. Maybe he's picked a couple of dice out of the garbage at Sean threw in there. But um, what what's some advice you would give to a brand new player who wants to get into the hobby? Well, if you have a veteran player, uh, and I've done this probably a million times, what you do is you take them over to the models. And you, and you show them all of the different armies that there are, and you just ask them, you know, what, which of these armies appeals to you? Uh, I think that if you play an army that you love, you'll be good at it. And it can be any type of army. It can be, you know, for like we have forces of order, we have chaos, undead. There's got to be something that appeals to you. But play an army that you're going to love. And I'm talking about like the models, you know, play an army that you're going to love playing because otherwise you're just going to get bored with it and you're going to end up selling it. And you may even leave the hobby, especially if you're a new gamer. Yeah, play and the army does. that you love. Welcome back, Grimdark Goons. Hope you enjoyed the time travel. Welcome back to the present. Now, back to the show. But you know what? That's the fun about team games. You know, you're always going to have somebody there with you to laugh. And but you know, team games, as we're going to start really getting into, um, there's a lot to them. There's a lot of dynamics to them. 
And, you know, Steve, from, from our own gaming club, our own war meets on Saturdays where our club guys get together and chuck dice that you just heard us all folks all, all talking about. Uh, and the other idea is that um, in, in, with these, with these war meets, as you all heard about anyone that's new can attend and based off of that new player uh, and, and uh, sometimes those people coming in, you know, you're, you got to make sure, especially if you're playing team games that you kind of have your, your crap together, if you know what I mean. So that, uh, you're not putting yourself in a situation to kind of dissuade a new player from coming into the group, if you know what I no. mean. Yeah, I totally agree. And with our war meets, when a new player comes in, we generally do one of two things, or both. We'll, e- we'll either play down to whatever amount of points that new person has, and we'll generally, if they're kind of new, we'll pair them up with one of our guys, and we'll do a 2v2 or a 3v3. And I, I think that's always been, like like we just talked about here, one of the key factors of the success of our gaming group, that we're, we're we are not only inviting, but we're also accommodating any rate. So, so enough patting ourselves on the back on that one. But the idea that we're going to talk about here with team games is the idea of balance in team games has come up often in our own war meets and amongst our own gaming group. And I'm sure in the community, especially with new people that only have say, what do you think? A thousand points. And yeah, the, I, that's usually what a new person has. About yeah. A thousand points. Yeah, get started box and a couple other things. Yeah. So, and the idea is to play a 2v2 or a 3v3 at 2,000 points per player. Now, someone um, on the new player side of the table generally would have to be at 3,000 points. Without, again, if that new person was only at 1,000 points to compensate for their lack of 1,000 points, if we were going to do a 2v2 at 2,000 points apiece. And and that's that's an inevitable balance issue that will generally metastasize into other types of balance issues in a team game. And, and this is what I mean. Uh, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll share that. In, in fact, the, the, the 2,000 uh, points per player at 2v2 or 3v, 3v3 for sure uh, can be real arduous, I guess is the best way to put it, and stall uh, the game often. Uh, we, we've seen this, and, and we've made changes in our gaming group. You know, For instance, Steve, in this example... Um, the issue that we've had is the waiting time for players with uh, slower type or smaller pointed armies. You know, as a game gets bogged down like this, I know I'm worried that we could be putting some of the, the club members off, if you will, on playing team games. All of the stalled time and waiting around, and, we, and we've talked about this. You know, for example, this uh, this is especially an issue when someone has an army that can make a charge on, say, turn one, i.e. Oryx, um, on one end of the table, but no one is engaged on the other end of the table. And those are multiple rounds of gameplay, uh, other than or multiple a- areas of a round of gameplay, I should say, where other team members are just sitting around doing nothing. They're watching other people go through the combat phase. And, and how many times have we seen this happen in a team game? Oh, more times than I can even count. Yeah. And I think that what we've done, one of the ways that our club has solved this is to put in place, I don't want to say hard limits, but that's what I'm going to use, hard limits on a per-player basis for points to help lower the gap between how much individual players are engaging compared to others. You know, what I mean by that is uh, team points of, say, what we do now in our club is each player on a team is 
1,250 points per person. And I think that's a good number because rather than 1,000 points, that extra 250, people can kind of maybe try out some of their new toys or try out some things that they really want to see what uh, that new unit or that new uh, behemoth. Yeah, and, we found that it's almost the perfect number for yeah. our team. And, and you want to know something? Think about this, folks. Because even at that lit, even at that amount, at 1,250 points per person on a team, that's still 2,500 points per side. You know, yep. on a two v two game, of course, which is which is an awesome game. And you know, Steve, I want to get your thought on this because our club we do a lot of three v three games. We find ourselves oddly playing a lot of those more so than the two v twos. I would think, but I would even caution that a three v three should probably be at a thousand points per player. Or am I just am I just being a little too goofy with that? No, I think um, it's reasonable. I would say at a uh, thousand or twelve fifty, uh, no higher though. Um, right. Especially if you're doing a three v three. But I think that a club that likes to do lots of team games is a club that's more comfortable with each other. Right. Right. And and I and I think that there there's a there's a reason for that. You know, when you do a lot of team games like we did at the bunker years ago, you know, with those, those bratty bunker rats. Oh yeah. You know, we, we just liked being on the same table with each other and having fun and smashing into units. I mean, we enjoyed each other's company. And I think that that's the reason why we do so many team games or why we have done so many team games. Right. Um, exactly. But yeah, I think that if you, but we did them at 2000 points a piece. So, you know, we were insane. Well, we've done and, that. We've done that recently at the war meets yeah. and the games just go on Which for five we, hours. Yeah, stopped it. yeah. Cause the game, what was happening was we were having a game that would go literally four hours and then, you know, half the day would be over with. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why we kind of talked together as a group and said, you know, we got to bring these points down. Right. Right. And, and, I, and I personally think that the 1250 points, even at the couple of three V three games we played, I think is a perfect, uh, a perfect number. I think, um, but you know, something else besides, you know, the amount of points that each player per player is going to be able to play on a team. Another balance issue is where there have been many team games. I, I'm trying to figure the best way to put this where the, many team games, where a major issue is with horde units. And yes, I said horde, um, such as somebody bringing gits or Skaven or, or a crap ton of nobblers, but I digress. Um, and horde units in the areas of movement of the models or some of the rules where the entire unit gets to a, attack where you're rolling just a crap ton of dice, you know, stuff like that, uh, bogs a game down. And, and it also uh, takes a lot of time, like I said, to roll uh, that many dice. You know, say a unit of 40 to 60 25 millimeter based models, um, which, you know, if they have special rules, like say the Nobblers, where they get additional attacks if they've got 20 or, or more models, um, which is partly solved, I guess, through point limitations. But um, those are other things that, and, and maybe with team games, you're, you're not necessarily going to be able to solve all the bog down. I mean, I've got an idea, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think, do you think, well, I guess at 1250, that would pretty much solve a lot of the hordes, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has made our games so much more enjoyable. And even the guys that do have a couple horde units, they only have one or two. Right. Because they're, they're trying to include in their characters or maybe a monster or two. And you know what I've noticed, too, is that, and, and I know you've noticed this, isn't it funny how we're bringing in more of the big guys oh, since yeah. we're lower points? 
because yeah. for some reason it's just brought out those models that we never see. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I use my my Dankold Tragoth, my regular Dankold Tragoth, in in a twelve fifty game, and I, I hardly ever use them in a two K game. Right. Yeah. So I think that's fun that we kind of bring out models sometimes that we don't see a lot because we have less points. And I know there's no logic to it, but it's what seems to happen. Everybody likes big stompy monsters. Period. I mean, yeah, and they're, and they're especially fun to see in a in a team game because right. then the whole table's covered with all these goofy you know, <laughs> these big dummies. Yeah, but but you know, Steve, here's another thought. E- even with lowering of the point cost, sometimes there's always seems to be a lag on the other side of the table. And and don't get me started with with apocalypse games. I mean, large games are fun, but they inevitably become slow and clunky. I guess if I can put it that way, but. Um, what are some ideas you found for streamlining and balancing team games? Because here's the thing, let, let's say, let's say there's even three of us on a side, you know, three V three, six people. Um, there's a few things I think that can be done to streamline a game when you're playing team games. Yeah. I can tell you exactly what we used to do in the old days. Okay. Whenever we would do a team game and or slash mega battle, what we would do is we would have, uh, Two guys on one side of a table, two guys on the other. And then that table had an objective. Then we'd go to the next table, another 2v2. Those guys had an objective. Third table, same thing. And then the winner of the mega battle would be who was able to capture, you know, the the two out of three objectives, basically, for their side. And it worked out great because then the games don't get bogged down because in the old, old days when we would do a mega battle, you'd literally have 10 guys on one side, 10 guys on the other, and we tried to play that game with with some semblance of, of order, and it was a disaster almost all the time. Because yeah. We'd start at 10 o'clock in the morning and we, we wouldn't even finish it like nine o'clock at night. Well, because the problem is with, with every, with every army's different abilities and, and movement abilities and shenanigans, you know, what one guy is doing, uh, the, the guy to the left or the right, maybe not be able to. And, and it just, it really stalls things, but I, I like yeah. your idea. And this is something that we've talked about as far as, you know, our club and, and playing team games is splitting up the players on a team to I guess to actually have a one V one, if you want to put it that way, in other words, try splitting the sides up into smaller individual players on the same team and and have them play separate games on their own areas of the table. And say from there, whichever team member wins their game, the, the, the winning army can, can attack the, the remaining enemy force. I guess the best way to put it, um, because I think, I think it's at times, and I guess what I'm saying there is if you have, uh, larger 3v3 or 4v4 type of games where you just can't coordinate that many people with questions and, like I said before, different abilities. Uh, I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think you should ever have more than two guys on either side of the table. Right. It should always be 2v2. When you start getting into 3v3s, you can do a 3v3. But like you said, make sure that third guy is fighting the third guy on the other side. And then once you, you could do it a lot of ways. You could say, well, when you've lost half of your victory points or something like that, then you can move on to the table 
and get involved in the other game. Yeah. Silly things like that. Yeah, house rules prevail, to, right? But yeah. Yeah, there's there's ways to control it. The bottom line is it's expediency. You want to make sure that the games are moving along in such a fashion that the other guys on the side of the table are not, you know, falling asleep or checking their iPhones or going to the bathroom and ignoring what's happening. You know, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, we laugh, but it's, but it, I mean, it happens. I mean, we've seen it happen. Right. You know? So I just think that, yeah, if you're going to do a team game, if you keep those points at 1250, you're still having a 25 per player, 1250 per player on the team. Exactly. Right. You're right. Cause that way they can, they can have that thousand point with, with a little extra fun. Yes. And you're, and you're still having actually a pretty large game. You're still having that 25, you know, 2,500 point game. Right. Two V two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Two you V know, two. Yeah, exactly. An idea that, that, that we've thrown, thrown about and never really, really done is, is when you talk about splitting up the players on a team, you know, to kind of, to kind of streamline the team game a little bit. Um, I think if, if we were to do that, say one V one individual within a team, I think it would reduce the waiting time for all involved with, with both, with both sides, potentially winning and losing on different confrontations of, of a greater battle. Now, now this is what I, this is my thought here. It, you could also experiment with like, say some of the baleful realm gate rules that, that would allow players to send troops between tables as reinforcements. Maybe. I mean, there are some things that you could do if you wanted. And, um, I, th- I think there's ways you can be creative, but I think that's what I'll, I think you should, we should explore and talk about is how to make those team games, uh, a little bit more um, uh, applicable from a from a standpoint of not bogging the game experience down, the balance, in other words. So, yeah, I, I, when, I, when, and when I talk about the reinforcements, you know, I would also play it as reinforcements then being controlled by the same side's players already playing on the table. So you don't end up including uh, everyone uh, on the same table again, I guess is the best way to put it. So um, yeah, if you're going to do do a mega battle, I strongly suggest the 2v2 model where you basically have, um, you have three tables and then, you know, six guys on one side, six guys on the other. And then you just do the best two out of three. Like who was able to win the best two out of the three tables. Right. And that's how you determine who wins the mega battle. If you're just playing a regular team game, a 2v2, keep the points at 1250 and I think you'll do just fine. Right. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I, I think that that's, that's, uh, it's a way to do it. Right. And I think that's, that's a very good way to do it, but, um, I kind of want to take this point and, you know, like I said, we can probably talk about balancing and, you know, playing team games, but I agree. I think me personally, I like 1250 points, uh, per player on a team. I, I think it offers the player a better experience being able to bring in maybe some of their, their bigger, you know, bigger toys, uh, that's one man's opinion. Um, you know, I think, I think all clubs need to test their own thing, but, but I think with that individualizing the games on the table, almost treating them like separate, separate unit battles, you know, I think would be, um, a better way to do it as well. But I want to do something here. I want to move into the question of the day that actually plays right into the topic here of playing team games. Can I, can I, can I, can I throw us into that one right now? Hey, roll with it. Hey gang, I really hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live show so far. Thanks for being with us. 
But before we get to the question of the day, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in, and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, you should know that Grimdark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to, and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted, and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day. All right, so here it is, Steve. Here's the question I have for you. Do team games cause your skill as a singles gamer to deteriorate? So your question was, do team games, because you kind of... So so here it is. In other words, do playing team games... Do they do they deteriorate your skills as an individual gamer? Like if you know if you play a yeah, lot of games, in other words, your one-on-one games. Right. Exactly. Yes, they do. Uh, if you play them excessively, if you are a if you are a player that is constantly relying on a teammate to dig you out of a hole, or a teammate uh, that you rely on constantly to do one thing so you can do another you're not really finding out what your army can do. Okay. Now, what we often see in team games are you have almost two separate games going on most of the time because I I guess it's just human nature that we focus on the, you know, the closest opponent to us. Right. And so we usually end up like if you and I are teaming up, I'm going to, I'm going to be focusing on the guy that's directly across the table from me. Right. And I, exactly. and I leave, and I leave you to deal with the other guy, mm-hmm. but yeah, but like I said, that can deteriorate your singles skills, uh, in the long run. Now we are a club that loves doing team games. We, we love them. As a matter of fact, I would say we do more team games than we do singles. And I think it's important that we have a healthy mix so that if you have one team game in a day, like our days are usually all day. So if you have one team game in a day, your next game should be a singles game. Right. So that you're breaking it up a little bit. But yes, I do believe that if you play too many team games, your skills will deteriorate as a singles player. Yes. Yeah. You know what? And, and I, I asked that question, um, number one, because team games have always intrigued me. You know, and I have a really weird affair in mind with with team games i either love them or i hate them and and what i hate about them is, is what we just talked about trying to avoid the clunkiness the slow playing the and it's and, and it's just the it's just the nature of the beast but i love them because of the camaraderie and the action you get almost like a, a bird's eye view literally of, of multiple different armies as the action is happening so i have a real love hate relationship with with team games and i think because we play so many team games and then during this obvious obvious COVID lockdown, I've been in the nerd bunker here gaming with, with Evan. I've noticed a difference. And so in, in thinking about this 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 question, um, I, I think I'm still a little bit, I think the jury is still out for me. Because I think in one way, does it deteriorate your skills? I, 
I don't know, but I do I do think at times when you're in a clinch, you can always lean over to your opponent and say, Hey, should I should I go after Nagash or or should I just take care of those skeletons on that objective? And you're, I think, I think in a way, it, 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 if it diminishes anything, maybe it d- diminishes your ability to make those snap decisions when you got to think on your feet. Yeah, yeah, that's like I said, you rely on you're relying on someone else to dig you out of a hole sometimes, and you don't have that when you're playing one on one. When you're playing one on one, you have to rely on your own skills as a gamer. Right. So, yeah, that's so, my point. Yeah, and and it's and it just it it was just a question, you know, folks. Uh, let us know what you think, man. Uh, as far as uh, the question of the day, I mean, do team games cause your skills as a as a one v one as a singles gamer to deteriorate? Let me know what you guys think in the uh, in the in the comment sections. But here it is, man. We we tripped a little bit in the beginning of the show. We we had a little bit of a technical error, and we want to thank everyone for. Uh, hanging with us um and uh and it happens it, it really does man it really does and, and it usually happens and when it does folks you're more than welcome to blame steve uh as a matter of fact you can uh call him you can leave nasty comments on the on the chat i'm i'm totally fine with that because ultimately will always fight to the last drop of my blood yeah i i gotta tell you he at the end of the day it is his fault folks so it's, i'm perfectly fine if, if you just really want to mother f him right now please please start anytime Boy, I tell you, with friends like you, who needs enemies? No, you, you, what you meant to say with friends like you, who needs enemas? <laughs> All right, good Close stuff, us man. Out here. It, Save it. Us. So, so we're at the we're at the point, man. Uh, I'm going to be taking the uh, the closing thoughts because uh, uh, I got I'm a little bit impassioned right now. If you want to know the truth, and uh, here it is, you know, gang. Um, it's a crazy world out there, but I don't think. I need to remind anyone of the tragic and, and bad events of the, of the past 12 awful, awful weeks. But that's not what I feel is the crazy part. And maybe it's somewhat sad that's all wrapped up in crazy. But here's what I think is crazy about this freaking world. It's crazy that we can become so negatively impacted as to be disinterested in things like space exploration and the universe. I heard more about people talking about the first failed attempt of the SpaceX launch than the actual awesome accomplishment of the launch itself. This was a great thing, and we seem to be so imbued with the negativity that we just overlooked it. You know, did you gamers even know that the craft is called the Dragon Spacecraft? That's a crazy cool name of a spaceship, guys. It's a crazy world out there for sure, but when, when did we stop enjoying it? Seems to me when we decided to do so. You know, this past Sunday, three of our Grimdark clubmates got together and gamed outside. It was a beautiful day, and they had a blast. Myself, as I said, I get AOS games here at the Nerd Bunker with my son. They, they didn't let this crazy world interrupt this crazy game. I admire that adversity to the negative, our clubmates, that they have. I admire that. I admire those, those club mates as much as I admire those astronauts that got off this crazy planet, at least for a little while. But also for a little while, those three guys were able to find the positive in our game. Crazy, isn't it? The ability to find the positive in this crazy world. Well, in case you can't find the positive here in 2020, let me give you a few. 
the oldest fossil of the modern bird. The, they call it the wonder chicken. That's its real name, was discovered. The, uh, the second person in the world has been cured of HIV. NASA finally admitted UFOs are real. The first in vitro cheetah cubs were born. Australia is no longer on fire. Animal Crossing is released on Nintendo Switch. We've learned that we have heroic healthcare workers and grocery store clerks. We have this game, this crazy game of Age of Sigmar. And you have this crazy little show in Grimdark Live. Don't let the world take the good out of the crazy. In a time when the space between bad news and enough may never close... Be crazy enough to be positive and fill the void with good and find the good out there. It's there in the simple things like a glance up at the stars or the roll of the dice. That's all I got to say. Well said, my brother. I hope, uh, I hope that helps, man, because I just, I just think, I think somebody had to say it, man. See, I, I don't always just tell dirty jokes, man. I'm actually good for something. Well, it's about time you admitted that. <laughs> that's it, man. Well, that's that's a great way to uh, to end it, man. We we better actually, like I said, we better end it before people start having a good time. That's uh. From Dark Live, I'd like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Age of Sigmar worlds. We'll be back live next Thursday. So until then, remember, roll them dice, fun and fair, and don't be a freaking short pants. If you missed the live show, you can catch us again right here on the next Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live throughout the week with Monster Mondays, Table War Tuesdays, Warhammer Wednesdays, Grimdark Crutch Matches, and a ton more. So stay tuned and stay grim. All you dice-chucking, glue-sniffing gamer games, you're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Remember, embrace the main message here from Dark Live, and that's the social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other and this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimDarkLive.com. Don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So long, Grimdark Coons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Bye.